and uh, we just had our prayer time, and we had a greeting from a special pastor from India. And we're going to do our QA Bible study in just a moment, un momento. But we're going to uh, just do a, I'll just give a quick update from my perspective on the trip to um, um, Dominican. We'll have a um, update Sunday morning uh, for everybody. Uh, I will, I'm not going to have a part in that of any degree. I'll let, uh, I'll let Pamela and uh, Jordan or Mickey uh, have the floor on that. So, so uh, and I won't go on and on, but it was a really good trip. Uh, it probably exceeded my expectations. I've been on a lot of trips, and it was a very good trip. So I would encourage you all to consider that as a foreign trip uh, at some point in the future. Um, what's really unique about it uh, in this trip was we were, we were really hands-on with leading people to Christ. Uh, I wasn't quite sure how that would go. You know, uh, it's kind of, you know, when you're giving away something and you're giving people the gospels, like what is their motives, stuff like that. And, of course, I spent a long time at City Union Mission preaching under that kind of environment where the, the meal's coming, but you got to listen to the message. So it's not my first time to be in that environment. But I will tell you what makes it really, um, what, how you gauge it from my perspective, which is not necessarily that of an expert, but uh, from just where, I, where I'm coming from is, is the, actually the real hunger of the soul. Uh, and so there seemed to be a legitimate um, uh, hunger in the soul and a, and a humility uh, that allowed the, the sharing of the gospel to be really effectual. And why this is a really good trip for Americans is, uh, number one, the Dominicans like America. They're really nationalistic people, uh, so they have their own identity. So they don't really need us in a sense of they don't necessarily – of course, a lot of people like to emulate American culture and things, but they have their own culture. Uh, they have their own history, um, and they don't really you know, long necessarily – they would love to be as wealthy as Americans, but they don't necessarily long to be Americans. They're happy to be Dominicans. They're proud of their country, which uh, you don't always find that when you go to a foreign country. Uh, and so that's a little bit unique. Um, and so uh, a lot of times because they're just trying to live day to day and survive and, you know, they may identify with some god or some religion or whatever. But they are in a sense of how America used to be where people were proud to be Americans and, you know, they're kind of still like that in the DR. They're proud of being the Dominicans. Um, and they should be because they've overcome a lot to get where they are. But uh, at the end of the day, it was a really good gospel witness, and, and being an American was very um, um, useful. Uh, you know, people wanted to come and see what, what are these gringos doing here? What is this all about? We get some free food. You know, that's always good. Uh, and so the method that, that uh, Lee was using was excellent, I, I believe, and uh, I felt like the Dominicans themselves were very open to the gospel. Um, we had, a, you know, out of 120 opportunities to share, um, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, um, we ended up with 80-plus professions of faith. And, uh, you know, you never know who's sincere and who's not at any given time, but there was no reason to believe they, they weren't sincere or they were at least the ones I was talking to, I can't speak for Pam or, or, or uh, Mickey, but uh, when we spoke to them, we were clear, and we weren't just rushing them through the gospel um, you know, tract and saying, pray after me. I mean, we were really vetting it out to try to see. Uh, and there's a few that was like, okay, great, you know, you're saved, great, go, go get your food, we're just checking. So we weren't really trying to you know, get numbers on the scorecard that you know, we got this many professions. So those were legitimate conversations where people came to the conclusion at the end that they needed to pray to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so there's a lot of religion there already, so it's one of the things, it makes it easy to talk about God. God is respected. The Bible is respected. Um, um, but, but 
So it's, that's the problem, is a lot of people know about God, but a lot of people aren't saved. And so uh, a lot of works-based concepts, not just because of the Roman Catholic Church, at least in the area we were working, was not as prominent um, as I was expecting. So it was not that kind of a religiosity. Uh, it was There was some of that, of course, um, but... Uh, and it was difficult, but the most of it was just a familiarization with the terminologies of evangelical speech and what have you. So, so we did have to kind of drill down a little bit to say, you know, are you born again? And have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? When was it? You know, we were de- dealing with um, not just terminology, but okay, tell us when, what, and where. At least I was. I'm sure you were too, Pam. So. Um, and so we uh, we really had a good time, um, you know, just being able to witness and you and the translators uh, were outstanding that we had. Um, and so uh, I would say that uh, you really want to pray about taking a trip down there. Uh, the Carters, Lee and Heather uh, did a good job, uh, excellent job, I should say, with uh, receiving folks and giving us an, a good environment to operate from, giving us adequate water and rest and everything that you need to do an effective job and also had a very good uh, uh, process for you know advancing the ball so we, you didn't feel like you were just there to be the next trip you're coming in and out I mean we were there at the t- at the right time with a strategic purpose uh, and we do need to pray over that that the seeds that have been sown will continue to advance the cause forward of the church plant that we were working in so the the, the barrio there that he works in is uh, it's called and you guys have heard this if you are in his prayer team or you've heard his presentation. But um, it's uh, uh, Valiente in Spanish. It's Valiente. We say Valiente, but it's Valiente. Uh, and it is just near the airport, uh, just to the east of Santa Domingo. And there's about 30,000 souls there. And uh, it's a it's kind of a typical neighbor, you know, lower end neighborhood for a uh, Latin American country. Um, uh, it it uh, it has a lot of needs there, uh, for sure. Um, but the people there seem to be very, you know, receptive to the gospel. So one of the reasons that that Lee is there uh, is because it's not a real attractive place for missions uh, in regard to uh, indigenous Dominicans reaching it. There are a few places there where there were churches and what have you. There's a few. Uh, churches that are there that are just churches in name only that are used to collect money from Americans. Uh, but as far as, you know, Bible-believing works going in that neighborhood, he really chose a good place because I don't know that there are any, or there might be a few, but there didn't seem to be very many. I talked to one woman, actually, that had some real good grounding in the Word. Uh, it was a pretty short conversation because of that, and I got her name and her pastor's name and got Lee connected so he can find out who that pastor is because out of all the people I spoke with, there was only really one I was like, wow, you definitely got, you know, you know what the Bible teaches about salvation. You know your doctrine. And, you know, she was squared away. But pretty much everyone else just was spiritually not, you know, they were they were illiterate. They didn't know, and they needed the Lord. So uh, Lee did a good job of exposing us to the different uh, cultural uh, differences, uh, you know, social socially in the country. So we got to spend time in the tourist area for the first day, you know, and see that we got to you know see some nice touristy stuff um kind of the middle and upper uh you know income then we got to visit a a church on wednesday night that was a kind of a uh there's not much of a middle class but if there was we probably were visiting the middle class there on the east side uh, which is kind of the supposedly like the tough end of uh 
of the city, but it was way nicer than <laughs> where we were working. So um, it was it, it was it was not bad at all. Um, and then we uh, so we got to meet one of the pastors there, a really good young man. Uh, and then on Sunday we were able to visit really a key church in a, in a, on the other side of San Domingo, on the west side, which is the more Overland Park esque uh, neighborhood. And uh, and I say that if you under, in Latin culture, not it's not like Overland Park at all, but it's it's a uh, you know, economically more mobile, upwardly mobile. And uh, that was a good visit to see that church and how they operate. And as you went from church to church, you could see the strata socially, you know. So the church, there were some things in the in the Sunday church we were in that, you know, we could implement here. I mean, they're doing things we're not doing. So, I mean, they're 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 very, um, you know, squared away, and they know what they're doing. And, uh, and with technology, with the, the praise was, I'm telling you what, the praise is outstanding. It was amazing. And so we had a great time praising the Lord, preaching the Word of God. Uh, Lee uh, had an outreach uh, planned to, to, that he hadn't done. So by faith, he was going to show a movie of The Chosen um, uh, on a segment on Nicodemus. And so then the next night, he was going to follow that up with some Bible teaching on that. And he's really ultimately teaching on the two families. So he had a, he had, he had a method behind his madness where he was going to take those that got saved and then just start right there with some of the first principles you'd have in discipleship on teaching about the two families. Because down there, it's kind of a mentality we're all God's children, which, you know, a lot of people in America believe that too. So he's busting the word on them and exposing them to the reality that, you know, you're, there is a devil's family and you're in it until you get saved. And then once you get saved, you can't lose your salvation. So he's really hitting a couple of really critical doc, uh, you know, doctrines right there after many of them made a profession. So he shows this movie, but we went out and we did the invitation, and, and Lee uh, and Heather, especially Heather, uh, she was very, uh, I was very maybe too strong, Ham, what do you think? Would you say she's very disappointed, or she was at least disappointed? Um, she wasn't a little disappointed, I'll say that, <laughs> So because uh, they put all this effort out, and we had the movie set up, and we're announcing it on the PA system out to the community, and it's just like, oh man, this may go over like a lead balloon. I think we had one lady show up. She's just one lady for the movie. Okay. Uh, and then what was so neat, um, and I was actually, I hadn't told anyone this, but I was over in the corner. I'd had a pretty bad day. Um, I was over in the corner praying, and, and I said, Lord, can you just fill the nets? And I did, that was my prayer for that. I said, Lord, you just got to fill the nets. There's no way. We've done all we can do. Uh, and by the way, Lee Carter is a hard worker, uh, and he is amazing. His team is very hard, works very hard. So Heather, including his wife, um, Johnny, his son-in-law, and uh, his daughter. And then they also have another companion who was a Haitian. Uh, he's an American, but he worked in Haiti for 13 years as a, as a doing humanitarian work, and he's helping as well. So all of those guys are just working, working, working. They've done all this work you know, before we get there and while we're there. And then <laughs> so it was kind of a letdown. And... Um, but it was the wildest thing. Who would have thought it? All of a sudden, these men show up. And you think kids and women, maybe, you know. And these, all these men start walking in the door. And I'm like, I'm impressed. I'm like, wow. So at first there's two. Then there's three. Then there's about five to seven men sitting around there. And, and then, of course, who follows the men? Yeah, the women. And the children start coming. And so, you know, by 30 minutes in, now we've got a crowd and the movie's going. By an hour in or whatever, I mean, the place is packed. People just kept coming and coming and coming. We were like, we had to go to the restaurant next door 
if you want to call it a restaurant, to the, the place next door that sells food and had some chairs and go over there and grab some chairs and bring them in. And they were gracious enough to let us use their chairs. And, and so uh, it was really ended up being an absolutely excellent event. And Lee, at the end of that, was able to preach a really short Paquito message on the you know the gospel and using Nicodemus's example and uh and the next night uh some of those same people came back and so and he had some first timers that he's been praying for literally for years one of the men just as an anecdotal story there was a man that used to own a car wash there his name also happens to be john so if you go if your name is john god is calling you to the dominican because that seems to be a lot of johns down there but uh this man named john had a, a car wash and a and a really as much as a car wash he had a uh what, what what do you call it here um liquor store right so the liquor and the car wash kind of go together um and so um he uh got so convicted he got saved and he got he got so convicted that he sold that uh that liquor store and davis is interested that and uh and uh, so i was able to visit his store while we were out handing things out johnny and johnny came uh johnny is a very influential person in that in that community and uh well his dad's never been to church never never been to anything like that that lee has done and that movie night and he shows up which was great but what was even greater is the next night when we had the bible study his dad shows up and so that was that was absolutely tremendous so i say all that to say this one of the unique things that you see about this work um that it really excites me and i forgot to put this in the report jeff um is that um it's really he's drawing men which is not all the time uh, now it's not something you usually see in those cultures it's not it's not too hard to get women and children but to see the men show up first um and see men you know and key men in the community come back that's that's gold uh, and I think God's doing some things, and I, and I want to give credit to the Lord ultimately because He's the, the Alpha and Omega male. But uh, but you have Lee who's following Jesus, and you have Johnny, uh, his son-in-law. Uh, you have men uh, that are men, you know, in this community, and just like in this culture, they need men. It's very matriarchal, and and there's a lot of uh, families that are blown up and and problems, just like we have in this country. And so to see these men leading this church and this community, I think it just—I think it's an attraction to men because they're just not used to seeing men that love Jesus and, they, and that aren't wimps, you know. And so uh, I was really impressed with that. So uh, I think there's a lot of things to praise the Lord for uh, with what the work that's there, and I think it will continue to grow. And uh, by God's grace, uh, Lee would like to see the leadership trained up and discipled and be able to turn that over to an indigenous national pastor you know, within, uh, you know, several years from now, within, you know, a short order, uh, three and a half years, right, like Jesus. And so we'll see what happens with that goal. But but he's got a plan to, to disciple and train and do what you're supposed to do with the Great Commission and move on uh, to another location so he can do it again. So uh, I like that. So there's a lot, a lot of great things going on there. I'll pause right here. Pam, anything I need to fill in that's just glaring? Because I'm just going off the top of my head. All right. Any Any questions about any of that? Price, if you were doing a budget, um, you know, plan about $1,500. It'll cost you about 12 to get there, uh, and then you'll need a few extra probably just to take care of other things along the way. So, you know, if you want touristy things or, you know, hit this, that, and the other. So just everything keeps going up. So just plan a little extra. Um, and so it, it, 
it was a really and I want to thank everybody at Heartland who has been praying and and how you came through on the the bags of provision that was you know between all of us we were going to muster 30 bags that would have been 10 a day and that would have been a pretty slow roll compared to we went through 120 and so each one of those bags that y'all helped provide was an extra opportunity you know every 14 bucks was another opportunity to talk to a family and that bag doesn't just reach a person it reaches a family so you take 120 and you know multiply that times five you know or however many people that's going to affect in that community those bags are, are going places, and it shows the love of Christ, which is the greatest tool you can ever show anybody if you want to lead them to the Lord. So uh, that was just really, really good. And uh, the prayers and the support of HBF, um, you know, a lot of missionaries say, they always tell you your church is special, and you always know a missionary is wanting support, you know. So um, so you kind of, and I'm a little cynical, to be frank with you. I've been around a long time. But uh, when I when I uh, talk with Lee and I talk with Heather and I talk with them about what you all mean to them and if Dave Brandon is watching, he needs to hear this. Uh, this church means a lot to the to them. They come from a very good church. So, by the way, their church in Decatur uh, is an excellent church. Uh, they're sending church and, and J- Pastor Joe McCaig. For those of you who know Joe McCaig, excellent pastor. And I'm, I'm, and so I'm taking nothing from their church. They love their church. But God has used this church, whether you all know it or not. Uh, I knew he used this a few times in unique ways, but even when I was on the ground with them, they were sharing stories that I had I didn't actually know uh, how he had used us even more than I realized. And so for whatever reason, God has connected us to that field through them and has provided uh, kind of in a supernatural way probably now about three times that was right on time. Uh, some of it was with Heather's situation when her back was down. Uh, you know, we distributed some money. I was up in last year when I was up in Wildwood preaching. Um, I got a call from Lee. We had the the mission board had sent some extra monies through. We had some surplus monies, and it's our policy to you know give those away. So we find a good cause um, and we give it to it. And so that happened to be them that that quarter. Um, I think we sent them. Jeff, you remember how much we sent them? I don't recollect, but it's over a thousand dollars. I don't remember it was a thousand or three thousand or something. But whatever it was, we sent it to them. And uh, out of sight, out of mind, I'd kind of forgotten about it. I was just doing my thing. I get a phone call from him. That was like right on time. I had no idea. I mean, we made the decision and sent it without knowing fully all the details. And so they needed that. They needed that confirmation right when they needed it. So little things like that. And there's been like two other things like that. Um, and they really know you guys are praying for them. They really know you love them. And uh, the investments of flip-flops that you guys made several years ago have, have, you know, all of those things are part of what happened with our our trip. That was the neighborhood that he took them to, you know. So even a couple years ago uh, during that COVID season, we're collecting flip-flops trying to give him an excuse to be in this neighborhood. Well, that's that's you all. I mean, most of the flip-flops that came from that came from Heartland. And so um, you don't really realize the impact that you might have with these little things that we do, these little projects here and there. But it, it, uh, God uses the weak things and the small things to confound the, you know, the wise. It's just amazing how he'll maximize those things. So praise the Lord. All right. Uh, if there aren't any, any other, no questions about any of that, Pam, I covered everything sufficiently. They'll give, Pam and uh, Mickey will talk Sunday. They'll give you a, a briefing on uh, their time there. They did a great job, by the way, Pam and uh, Mickey. They got to speak each of them a couple different times. I left, I left off the, for me, was the coolest things was the the, the uh, baseball. So we got to go out to the baseball camp where their uh, kids live and uh, through the week and train for, try to get in the MLB. So uh, get a contract with the major leagues. So that was cool. And uh, they got an open door there 
as well. That was just outstanding. So uh, if you go on a trip, you'll get exposed to all of those things, and it, it's just tremendous. So be praying about that. Next year, our vision uh, our vision is going to be purchase the field. So this year, we're looking at the state of our flock, right? We're getting our houses in order. We're getting ourselves together. Uh, next year, that what's that all about? That's so we can purchase the field. We've got to look on the field. And uh, right here in Cass County, uh, you know, in our region around the world, so so be praying about that. Like if you think that missions is for somebody else, it's not. I and mean, we need people. We need people to go to Monmouth, Illinois. We need people to go. Uh, I, I was listing on the way back on the on the airplane. I was listing out the trips that are available to us. Right now, there's more trips available than we have people uh, to lead them. I got like question mark, question mark, question mark. Can we take this trip? Because you don't want to take a trip without a leader. Because as you can see, I end up leading the trip if there's not a leader. And there's only one of me. So I, <laughs> I don't think I can lead all the trips, right? So we need, we need people to lead the trips, and then we need people uh, to go on the trips. And so, uh, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities. Uh, the, the, you know, the Oaxacas, uh, if we go back to the DR, um, we'd like to get over to Romania. Uh, you know, so there's, there's several opportunities to pray about. Plus, we need to continue to go to Mama. And so there's room for everybody. And so if you're scared to go overseas, we got trips right here in the States that we need people to help with. Um, but we just got to be willing to go. And so uh, be praying about that. Look on the field. That's what we're doing this year. Next year, purchase the field. So, um, and I, there might even still be opportunity if, for the Oaxaca trip coming up in November uh, to help Joe and Amy Hangersman. By the way, keep praying for them. They're, he's praying for money to put a roof on their building. They're already working on the second floor of their church building. And need a roof on that so that's a blessing all right enough missions talk probably wearing you guys out on that i could talk about that all day and night all right let's um uh we haven't we've prayed over the prayer list um is there a question uh that anyone has in their bible study that this is qa time and we still have adequate time to answer a question or two or three or one just depends do you have any questions? That would be weird to have no questions. All right. Yeah. So if Jews accepted Christ, where would we be? I was actually just going to ask that. Who are we? Uh, yeah. Where would we be? So specifically, my my note now looks like some grammar outline, sentence outline, Gentile. All right. So uh, that's a great question. If the Jews – so these are, there's these hypothetical questions. Uh, sometimes I think we can have the answer, and other times I don't think we can. Um, one of my questions like that is what would have, what would have happened if Adam wouldn't have sinned? You know, um, so not Adam and Eve. What would have happened if Eve would have sinned and Adam wouldn't have? You know, there's these hypothetical questions. I asked a pastor one time, I said, what would have happened if Adam wouldn't have sinned? Well, of course, what really, what the right answer, I think, is probably Eve wouldn't have followed Satan. I think everything would have worked out. Then you'd have to get back to the hypothetical thing of what would have happened. Well, you probably would have moved on to eternity future. Boom. And so there you go. So that. You know, 7,000 years of history would have not been necessary. 
So, but at any rate, um, but then probably not because God knows that there's, he unfolds through that situation uh, a whole other aspect of who he is through time uh, that we have. So, you know, God knows all of that in advance. But um, so there are those questions. It's like, well, I really, you can't dogmatically say anything because you just don't know. Uh, but this is one I think we can. God gives us some insight. So, um, so let's. Uh, I'm trying to consider where I want to start. I got a verse that I want to. I want to start with. Um, and the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is the one that I'm going to reference. Let me. I think in the book of Acts is where I want to go, but I'm not sure, so give me a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go to Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16, that's what I was thinking about. So there's three groups of people, um, the Jews, the church, and the Gentiles. There's really, that's the three people groups of the world. Really, if you boil all that down, there's two groups of people, saved and lost. Right, so um, in a spiritual sense, but as far as as far as people groups, uh, that is, you know, the Gentiles are well, all the world got broken up with the languages. But in Romans chapter um, Romans chapter one and verse sixteen, Paul's talking about the gospel. He says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and His salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also the Greek." And that word Greek there uh, is, you know, synonymous. When you're looking in the New Testament, it's symbolic of the Gentile world because um, the, the mindset of the Gentiles uh, was the Greek, um, the Greek mindset, still is. So today, if you go to college, that's the, that's the model that we still use. The Romans adopted it, and the Gentile world still uses it, especially in the West. Um, and so the Gentile world uses a Greek system, uh, and that system, for the most part, or the, there's a different ways of thinking. Orientals have a circular thinking, and, and, and uh, uh, Japhethites have a more of a lineal way of thinking. But when it comes to education today, every sorority and fraternity is going to have Greek letters all over it because education is represented by the Greek system. And wisdom, we even it's synonymous. When we use the word philosophy, we're quoting a person named Philo, right? So all of these things come from the Greek, uh, the Greek origin. And so when you're in your Bible... And that's what Paul was battling there in uh, in Europe when he was in both Asia and uh, in um, the, the portions there of Greece and Macedonia, and then of course eventually in Italy. Okay, so what's that got through the question? Well, the question is, well, you know, wait a minute. The, Jesus came to his own, right? And his own received him not. So he did come to the Jew first. Um, and now Paul's preaching the gospel here, and he says, "Oh yeah, this this prior, the priority is the Jew first, is the Jew first, and also the Greek." So uh, historically, what, well, let me ask you this question: um, Why was it like that? That's the first place we got to start, and that because that's going to help us answer the question. I'll draw this out a little bit more. I could answer it real quickly, but, but let me draw it out. Yeah. Jews were, that's absolutely right. So that's, I'm going to mark that down. So, um, so we're in Romans 1.16. There's the Jews first, and we got the Greeks. 
right? And so the reasons that, that, that the Jews are first is they're the chosen people. Said Romans, at Romans in the brain, uh, Genesis twelve, among many other references, that's where the Abrahamic covenant is given and begins the process, right? And then, of course, you can extrapolate that on out for the nation of Israel, uh, the advent, the promise to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, all prophetic that gets fulfilled, and ultimately the covenant, the law is given to Moses, so they steward the law. They first they stewarded the promise by faith, okay. So they steward um, the promise by faith. That's why Abraham's the father of faith. And then in Exodus, uh, it's not chapter 12, that's Passover. Um, Where's Sinai? Anybody know what chapter that's in? 19, Exodus 19. They become stewards of the oracles of God. Yeah. Writ. We'll just do 19 through 31. The first written words of God is given to, to Israel as a nation. Which gets me back to, really, it gets you directly back to why Paul said that. And it's important that we look at that today because anti-Semitism is still a thing. And today we're hyper-racially charged in our culture on purpose, not by us, but by people, by a spirit in, our, in, in the world, not just in our nation. So, so you need to understand that biblically. Just if, if you're a guest here. Uh, that's we go by the Bible. The Bible is our absolute authority. So it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. What does the Bible say? So, yes, the first thing is they're chosen people. Roger, you had your hand up? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, amen. The promises were made to Abraham. And so anything else you guys can think of why God said the Jew first? I think this is the number one reason and the most primary reason to understand. Right, so the, huh? And Jesus was Jewish. Um, um, yeah, we can add that. So uh, Jesus was the Jews' Messiah. Now, if we extrapolate that out a little bit, the prophecies of the Old Testament, you know, did God want to just bless the jews no through you will all the nations of the world be blessed right if if the world's going to hear about god's word it's going to come through the nation of israel and of course once their messiah came well there no one's going to learn about the messiah unless the jews tell them so we're, we're getting somewhere and it's actually going to this will help us think a little bit deeper about what would have happened and so i'll give you all the third thing Unless anybody wants to take a stab at the third. This is going to be like so practical. It's not deeply spiritual. Yeah. Romans 10, 12. What? Well, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Same Lord overall. Right. That's where we are now. Yeah. 
So I'm not ready for that. Romans 10, 12, we're not ready for that. Unless you see how that fits in there, where we're going. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, right. That's where we're headed. That's where we are now. There is no difference between a Jew and a Greek. Once you get saved, he's Lord to all. But I, but before we get to get to that, I'm just talk, I'm actually just so we can actually think a little deeper on uh, what would have happened if the Jews wouldn't have, you know, well, why did he put the Jews first to start with? Why do we even need the Jews to receive anything? Why didn't he just come to the Gentiles? But well, we're answering that question um, because before before he didn't have to. I mean, he could have he could have saved men any way he wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jeff, I see your hand up. Oh, that's super good. Exodus 19, 6. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Oh, that's super good. So along with the, it kind of goes with the law, but let's throw that on here. Uh, they, they, uh, they stewarded the priesthood. Right. Oops. Right. They steward the priesthood, and the, which also would include the tabernacle, which became the temple, which gets us right back. And I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff, because these are things I want to come back to to kind of look at the kind of a bigger picture, and that we would have gotten to that. So thank you, because I was I didn't have that. That's Exodus 19:6. That's a great reference. And there's actually, I don't have them off the top of my head, there's several references like that that we could go through all the way up into the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah where God, like he's spanking them and then he like comes back and consoles them and says, okay, guys, you got to know the plans I have for you. You know, I mean, you got a place and I want to use you. I mean, God just was trying to tell Israel, I want to use you. I want to use you. You are my chosen people, you know, knuckleheads, you know, just like we are. All right, uh, knuckleheads. Okay, so the fourth thing then, this is really not, this isn't like super spiritual like these other ones. This is practical. Part. This is also a Romans kind of 828 thing. One of the neat things uh, that you can learn about God uh, by the Old Testament is you learn about his character. Like if you're like one of these people like, I only read the New Testament. Well, you're missing out because you learn a lot about who God is when you read the Old Testament. Um, and it really enlightens you uh, on how he works with us and the grace that we get, which is even better in the New Testament, because the New Testament is better than the Old Testament for sure. But in the Old Testament, <clears throat> you know, just kind of give you the quick thumbnail sketch, they are God-chosen people. Uh, God does give them the word of God. He promises them the Messiah. They establish the, uh, the worship. Uh, they have the apex of all of this, right? So if you're just walking through it, God makes a promise to a man who is, by the way, not able to have kids. <laughs> and so the seed is a miraculous manifestation in Isaiah, a picture of Jesus Christ, or in Isaac, I should say. Uh, it's a picture of Jesus Christ, and we all know that it leads him up, and you see all the typology there uh, as he leads him out, Mount Moriah, and all of those things. Um, and so 
Um, and then after that, there's a promised nation that comes out of Jacob, uh, which just was 12 boys. Uh, and then out of that amalgamation of boys uh, becomes a nation as they come out of Exodus. Um, and that nation is born in Exodus. They go from, they go, go from being a tribal people to a, a nation with a government. That word, they get their government system? Well, they got it from the word of God. Both the religious and their, their monarchy was set up by God himself. He's like, this is the example of nationhood that I'm going to work through to reach the Gentile world. So what God was doing was beginning, the theme of the Bible is the kingdom. It's not the cross. That's our main, that's our theme because that's, the, that's, that's how we got into the kingdom of God. So we praise God for the cross. That's how God redeems humanity and covers and cleanses their sin. But actually, the, it's all about a kingdom that's been uh, you know, corrupted by the fall of Satan initially, and then after that, by the fall of Adam. And so, um, and that's why humans in general are the, are the bullseye of Satan, because of who we represent uh, to Satan and those fallen angels. Uh, and so, uh, we represent their replacements. And so, um, so the stewardship uh, of the priesthood is very, is very important and as it was working through David, David receives the promises that that throne on this planet is going to have a king that's going to reign forever. I just read it in my, in my daily reading yesterday uh, as, as David was praying over the house uh, in Chronicles. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to him through Nathan and says, Hey, uh, David, by the way, I don't need a house. I've been working fine in the tabernacle. But since you're talking about that, go ahead, build your house. I'm going to promise you a seed. It's going to rain forever. And David's like, what? You know? And that seed, uh, by the way, David's physical seed didn't rain forever. As a matter of fact, they kind of got messed up along the way. Uh, so that seed is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, of course, both Mary and Joseph physically came from the seed of David. Um, and, so, um, and so he does have a seed. That seed is Jesus Christ. Uh, of course, he's, his father is God. And, and Mary carried him to birth. And uh, their Messiah was born. The city is Jerusalem. The nation head capital is going to be Jerusalem. It hasn't been Jerusalem since 70 A.D. And then Donald Trump comes in on the anniversary of their entrance in, in 1948, same date. And he says, "Up, oh, we're going to move the, the we're going to we're going to acknowledge that Jerusalem is the capital of, of Israel." So that sets us up now for the future prophecies of Re- Revelation in Daniel's 70th week. All right, so. Having said all of that, um, so God's working in the nation of Israel. He's had a plan for him. But with all of that going on, uh, at the apex under Solomon, man, they just go back to idolatry. Uh, and by the time you get to 606 B.C., uh, well, the ten tribes of the north are already taken out uh, in, uh, by the Assyrian Empire. And the Egyptians, and then and they're shipped off. And then by 606, Babylon comes in and takes care of Judah and the remnants of Benjamin. And then they go into captivity for 70 years in in uh, Babylon, which is modern day Iraq. And so uh, they're spanked. They're in the woodshed, you know. And that's how we got all the prophecies that, that tell us how this is going to work out as it is. So some of the same questions you're we're ask, asking hypothetically, Daniel was literally asking, like God, how. Like, you made these promises. Is this, like, figurative? Like, did you change your plan? Or how are you going to fulfill those promises you made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, the prophets? Uh, you know, because we're in captivity. 
And, of course, Jeremiah the prophet recorded how many weeks, uh, how many years they were going to be in captivity. So it was written. So Daniel was able to discern that. And, of course, he got direct revelation uh, from Gabriel and, um, and as an ambassador and Michael as the uh, archangel there. So uh, and he found out there was a war in heaven. And all of that was being determined in the third heaven or in the second heaven, I should say, rather. There was, uh, there was, as soon as he prayed, it was heard, but there's things in human history that are being worked out and positions. And, and, and interestingly enough, one of the nations that is mentioned there in that discourse, I believe that's uh, Daniel 9, the Daniel 9, uh, or no, not Daniel 9, where he prays and it's heard instantly, uh, but the message is delayed. Is, anyway, Daniel 10, which makes sense, Gentile nations. There's a nation mentioned there. Uh, he says, hey, I got the prince of Grisha that we got to deal with. At that time, Grisha was a, was nothing. And yet that pops up in his, that's why that's why uh, contemptible scholarship that doesn't believe the Bible says, oh, well, you see, that was written. That's why Daniel wasn't written, uh, you know, at that time of the Daniel's life. It had to be written, you know, hundreds of years later because there's no way they could have known that. Or... Or the Bible's true, <laughs> and God was working to handle to because He had His eye on the Gentile nations. In spite of Israel's disobedience, God was working out His plan, and uh, and uh, and He was dealing with Grisha. And of course, there would come come a guy out of out of the empire named Alexander. Anybody heard of that guy? He became Alexander the Great, and uh, he changed the landscape. And so, um, you know where Alexander stopped with his conquering? He stopped. He wouldn't take the temple. Because there, there was a vision, and uh, he had a dream, and he was like, nope, I, I'm not doing that. So he left, he left uh, Ezra, Ezra's temple intact. Yeah, Ron? Hang, let's put you on the mic. That would probably be a better. Oh, you got your own mic. Look at that. Isn't that he's resourceful? All right. So Deuteronomy twenty six five. Deuteronomy twenty six five. Ron is a concordance. Well, I had to look it up. Oh. And he's humble. <laughs> Anyway, while you're going there, I'll say this. Um, you know, remember God called Abraham out of where? Ur Chaldees. Ur Chaldees. So, I mean, I don't want to. What was the question I would ask is, was Abraham a Gentile before he became a Jew, before God made the promises to him? You're asking me? Yeah. Of course he was. There so, wasn't a Hebrew until after the covenant. Right. So anyway, Deuteronomy twenty six five is my proof text for that kind of, and and but I I think that's practical to mention. That is practical. Thank you, Ron. Are you wanting me to read it? And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, a Syrian ready to yeah, this is very good. A Syrian ready to perish was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few, and became there a nation great, mighty, and populous. And uh, the Egyptians. And the Egyptians evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord, uh, our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our, and our oppression. And, and the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt, out of Egypt 
with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with a great with a great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. So in this recollection that Moses has given, thank you, Ron, that is a great reference, uh, as he's talking about Abraham and uh, uh, how he came up. And so Jacob also spent time in, in uh, down there, his seed. So it's interesting how they keep repeating the cycle, you know, going down into Egypt. And then the Messiah himself goes down to Egypt to get away from Herod. Uh, so there's layers of prophecy and all of that. But the point that Ron is pointing out, which is a good one, is, yeah, um, Abraham was Abraham, right? Uh, so he circumcision wasn't that big of a deal, not even to Moses, even though that was the covenant that they had, the circumcision. That's what made him distinct. And, and uh, you know, Abraham it was a big deal to Abraham, of course, and it was a big deal to Isaac and Jacob. But by the time you get to Moses and we get to Exodus, a bunch of the Jews forgot all about it. So they had to do a lot of adult circumcision uh, because there was a lot of adult males that, that hadn't gotten circumcised. They, they had lost their identity with the covenant that God had made with those people. Um, but I say all that just to say this, they, that Ron is right. They were, everyone was a Gentile before there was a Jewish nation, right? So there wasn't a nation that he was going to work through uh, until the nation of Israel was born. He brought them forth and chose them. Uh, and so when you talk, I don't want to get too far afoot on this topic, but that in itself, what I just said, is the discussion that Paul is addressing in Romans 9 through 11. Is when you talk about election and providence and what God is doing with the elect, that's what he's talking about. God has a plan for the nation of Israel, and he's, and he's established them for a purpose. And it has to do with his kingdom, and he is not going to forsake his promises to Israel. That doesn't mean right now that a Jew is saved or safe even. Uh, not at all. As a matter of fact, because of what Bob said, if you're not born again, you're going to die and go to hell. Jew or Greek, it doesn't matter because you need to be a new creature in Christ. That's why you must be born again. Um, and so uh, but let's, let's, get, let's get to this last thing to kind of get to the end of the question real quick because I don't want to – I could go on. I just get open a big can of worms on what we just said. But that is important, and that is a good point uh, about, you know, there were nothing but Gentiles until the nation of Israel was born through the covenant promise through Abraham. All right, so then you get this fourth thing, which I'm going to go ahead and deliver, unless anybody has one more stab. All right. Uh, Not yet. What the deal is with this, I was just talking about this dispersion. What happened to Israel is they got – is they got – uh, they got quarantined in Babylon for 70 years, and then God put them back in the land. And then after they rejected their Messiah, what did he do to them? He scattered them. And even there was still a scattering um, prior to that, you know, from the first captivity. The Jews were, and plus also commerce and things like that, they were scattered all over the the, the known world at the time. So they, they, the fourth thing I would tell you is one of the practical reasons now it's the Jew first. I mean, the real reasons we've already covered. Those are the real reasons. But the other one is that, that God had, they were positioned. They were positioned to deliver the gospel. Ugh. And this is convicting. This is con- this should convict you and I. That fourth one. Because this is kind of like, you talk doctrine and all these things, you know, and it's like God is awesome. And he is awesome, and it's amazing. And he uses their disobedience 
And that's what Paul said in Romans, isn't it? He's like, hey, if their disobedience has fallen out to this, what were their obedience going to be? So God took their disobedience, spanks their bottom, disperses them in 70 AD, right? Well, even before that dispersion, um, uh, they were they were scattered about the world because they'd been taken into captivity in 606 and prior to that. So wherever they were in the Roman Empire, because the Romans, of course, had come in and done damage, um, <clears throat> uh, and that's what happens. It's like Haiti. I was just talking to a lot of the people in Haiti. Unfortunately, a lot of the people that can help Haiti are fleeing. Where are they going? To the United States. Yeah, there's now a way for Haitians to get here. Well, I can guarantee you the, the poorest of the Haitians are not able to get here. The most mobile of the Haitians are coming here. So probably the criminals and the educated, and uh, and maybe they're one and the same in many cases. They're coming here. The ones that have money, uh, however they get, got it, are coming here. So the people left for the country uh, are going to be not the people, you know, your poor people that can't afford to leave, and uh, and then the other people that, you know, uh, for whatever reason can't get, get out either. So it's really just hurting that nation because they're dispersing their intelligence out the out the door, the real people that would help them. Uh, that can help them socially are not going to be there. But anyway, that's something to pray about. So these guys have synagogues all over Europe. So when Paul goes out uh, through the Roman Empire, what, he's going to the Jew first. Because practically, who's going to have the oracles of God? The Jews. They read them every Sunday in the synagogue. So when you walk in a Baptist church on Sunday morning and they got a pulpit uh, and, and uh, they're opening up the Bible, where do we get that? The Jews, synagogues, we're really just emulating what the Jewish synagogues had. We, what we do is very similar to what a Jewish synagogue would do. They'd read the scripture um, and, and uh, you know, do what they do. But we, God positioned his people to get the word out. So Paul would go to those synagogues and say, okay, this is your Messiah. You missed him. Strike one. <laughs> but strike, here it comes. Here comes a fastball right over the plate. He rose again, you know. He came back 40 days. There's over 500 witnesses. Okay, what do you guys want to do? You know, and of course, oftentimes, some believed and some didn't. And so, but he tried to work uh, with the Jews first and then the Greeks. Because if you were going to get to the Greeks, you needed to get the word to the Greeks. And the Jews were the ones that had the word. They were stewards of the word. They had a knowledge of the word. It's sort of like when we went to the Dominican this week. So most of those people have been evangelized heavily in the 80s. So the, the concept of the gospel is already there. So you've already got a groundwork, right? It's not like going to India where they worship a pantheon of pagan gods and Jesus is just one of many. Um, and so you have it's a whole different mindset. You come to the Jews, you start with there's one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you finish with that God is Jesus Christ. And that's when they pick up rocks and try to stone you, right? And so uh, to this day in Israel, they'll still do that. All right, so so uh, the practical, one of the, so some of the reason is obviously spiritual and priority, but it gets worked out practically in getting the gospel where it needs to go. And so the Jew first and, and uh, also the Greek. But God's will, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? First, uh, first Peter 5. Um, or no, second. That's Second Peter. Um, um, second Peter two nine. And so, 
Um, so, so that gets us back around to what would have happened then if they would have received their Messiah? Well, you wouldn't have seen the Bible through a, the New Testament in the same way. I mean, that's that's it's a hypothetical question. So we, but the kingdom was what it's about. So God would have, how would so the answer is how would God have reached the if the Jews would have received their Messiah, they would have given the, the Jewish Messiah to the world, um, and they. In a way, they, a portion of them did that through Paul. I mean, the apostles, all 12 to the Jews, were uh, Jews. And then the only one that the Gentile claims, the apostle, Paul, is a Jew. And not just any old Jew. He's the Hebrew of the Hebrews. <laughs> so God, like, plays a trick on him, you know, because the last people the Hebrew of the Hebrews wants to deal with is the Gentile world. And God changes him so radically, he becomes the ambassador to the Gentile world. So, in, in essence, the New Testament oracles of God were delivered uh, primarily uh, through, um, you know, a, a Hebrew, at least the teaching. And then, of course, there's others that, uh, you know, Paul wasn't, or Timothy, we got two books named after him. He's not all Jewish. It doesn't matter at this point because in Christ, you're a new creature. Um, so that's why the church, what's unique about it isn't that the gen- what would he have done is what he didn't do. He didn't wait for the Jews to get right. And he went on forward with the spiritual kingdom and gives it to the Gentiles. And he's already hid in the Old Testament because he's God. The picture of Ruth, the Gentile bride, getting redeemed by a Jewish kinsman redeemer. And now our inheritance is greater than the nation of Israel. And that is like crazy. And it's amazing. Um, but in a hypothetical sense then, if they would have received it, they would have received Jesus as their Messiah as a nation. Yes. Yeah. As they would have been like Paul. No. Well, the the, the way the prophecies of Daniel's Daniel's seventieth week is set up, it could have went either way, and so he could have fulfilled his will or not. So God leaves it open. So there's still places in prophecy where you see that, um, and so even in prophecy yet to be fulfilled. And so you don't know. You just don't know. Well, me too. Me too. I mean, because it doesn't, it is the way, and God obviously knew it was because he, he's already got the picture of Ruth and, and Enoch already there. Uh, he's got these, these guys that are, uh, that represent the Gentile bride, the, you know, the people that get this grace. And, and so, yes, yes, ma'am. Oh, three nine. Sorry, Second Peter three nine. I said two nine. No, good. Thank you. Second Peter three nine. I should know that. So Second Peter three nine. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, once you get in Christ, though, you are a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So we are not Gentiles, and we're not Jews. I just had this conversation with someone today. So we're not Gentiles, and we're not Jews. We're a new creature. That is what is crazy. <laughs> so let's think about this a little, just a little bit more, and, I, and you'll help, and it'll help your mind process what would, what what will happen. Let's just talk about what will happen, and that will help you remember what would happen. So what will happen once the church is? What happens? To, what happens once the church is caught up? Right. We go to the seventh week of Daniel, and so. Um, I would suspect uh, that 
the 70th week of Daniel would have gotten fulfilled no matter what. And um, and then what happens after that? Well, is the millennial reign of Christ for the Gentile world. The door Jesus comes back literally at that point, and the Gentile world receives their uh, they get they get the they get to serve God by being faithful to the nation of Israel as the lead of nations and the Messiah, of which we know at the end of the Revelation, not all of them will do because Satan is loose for a season. All of those things could be fulfilled either way. I don't know. Now, don't ask me how all that would happen with the Daniel 70th week and all of that because I don't know. But he would have worked it out. He would have fulfilled his prophecy. Um, and some of it, no, I don't know, not, not at all, because Jesus had already said it. But it is interesting. I don't want to get too far here because this, this is getting a little too deep. But um, let, me, let, me put, let me say it this way. A lot of what we know about end times right now, the revelation of Jesus Christ is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Part of the revelation of Jesus Christ is related to how Jews did not receive him. Part of what is already prophesied is indicative of the response that he had to the hardness of the Jews. So if you didn't have a Matthew 24, this is all I'm proposing, and I'm just going to say this and leave it alone. If you didn't have a Matthew chapter 24, if you didn't have all the prophecies that Jesus himself gave, and you didn't have, and and the New Testament, you know, uh, was formulated, you know, somehow differently in time. Then it would it would have been, it could have been nuanced differently in how it was fulfilled. That's all I'm saying. But I have no idea what that would look like. I have no way of knowing any of that because I'm not God, so I don't want to presume anything. At the end of the day, what we do know is God knew before He ever stepped foot on the planet that Israel, He knew their hearts and He knew they would reject His Son, and He painted that picture from the beginning. Uh, because if there was any sufficiency in humanity, um, you know, uh, we, he wouldn't have sent a son. The only human that was sufficient was Jesus and is Jesus. So what is that? Then why did he do all that? Why did he take all these steps? Uh, because it reveals in every dispensation. Every dispensation, this is something I was just teaching a couple of weeks ago, reveals. Uh, Alan Shelby's definition is the best. It reveals uh, God's God's grace for sure, but it also reveals man's hardness over and over again. He gives them grace this way, and they reject him this way. I mean, he they Jesus Christ gets rejected in different ways throughout all dispensations. So there's no doubt by the time we get to the end of the millennium, who is righteous <laughs> and who is unrighteous. I mean, uh, if you want to, if you want to, we can't handle innocence. We can't handle conscience. We can't handle. Uh, human government, we can't handle the law. We can't handle um, grace, and we we can't even handle the physical rule of Jesus Christ ruling on the planet. We can't handle a kingdom. Uh, the only one that is righteous is Jesus Christ. And no matter how you set the table up, you're going to get the same answer. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And so as awesome as God is, and he is, I mean, he is the definition of awesome. He's also the definition of humble. You will not find, as incredible as God is, as majestic and magnificent as he is, you will not find a God that is any humbler. You can't because he is as humble as he is incredible. It's it's amazing who he really is. And the fact that we don't instinctively and just worship him with everything it just tells you how corrupt we are. And uh, if it wasn't for Jesus, man, we would be altogether uh, lost. 
the nations would be lost and each individual would be lost. Now, let me get back to this. Uh, let me pause here because I can, I'm going to wrap up. But before I wrap up, any other comments or thoughts on that? We're thinking pretty heavy thoughts here. Or, Jeff, have I stepped over any lines? <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I'm trying to, I, there's a, well, I am actually, I am concerned about stepping over a few lines. So this is the one line I'm concerned, I'll just say it out loud. One of the lines I'm concerned about, I mean, it's okay to think hypothetically. It's actually kind of good to think hypothetically because it helps you put your Bible together. But at the end of the day, you got to, that's why I'm ending on, on, on God knows he's on mission. And so that's the line I don't want to step over. That's the one. That's actually what I'm, I'm seriously in my heart. I'm concerned about. I don't want anyone walking away from here thinking, um, like the outcomes are, are going to be different at the end of the day. This is what's amazing about God's sovereignty. So there's people that would say, Oh, Brian doesn't believe in God's sovereignty because he's so, uh, so full of grace and love that he thinks that humans have this, you know, will to to trust Christ or not trust Christ. Well, they do, and I do believe in God's love, and I do believe in grace, and I believe that that men have the the ability. God's created us. That's what makes us unique. That's why we're not dogs. That's why we're not animals. We're not animals. That's too much Darwinian thinking, too much human philosophy. We are uniquely created to make decisions, and if you can't make decisions, you can't love. That's the primary doctrine that that uh, gets eroded. Uh, in that crazy mindset. But at any rate, I say all that to say this. It doesn't minimize God's sovereignty. That's what makes his sovereignty even more amazing. No matter what the math equation you give him, he still gets the right answer. How he does that is what I don't know. And so I'm comfortable in that, that if and if, that and if isn't going to happen. He knows that in advance. But just for hypothetical reasons, that and if even if that were the case and you could, and they would have received it, he would still get the right answer to the equation because that's how awesome God is. So uh, it's amazing, the God that we serve. Okay, so, oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it is a hypothetical thing. So, And around here we deal primarily in truth and absolutes. Uh, if you come back to this Bible study, uh, we had someone in back there, but I didn't run them off. Um, uh, but if you if you if you're here, we are really more about absolute black and white than we are about hypothetical situations. But it is good because it helps you look at at your Bible. Oh, the verse that, that Bob had. Now now I want to want to bring that to the fore. In in Romans chapter ten, and uh, in verse twelve, it says, "For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him." So at the end of the day, um, God has just set those boundaries. Uh, to get Jesus Christ to where he needs to be in a place to deliver us from our sin and to set up a system um, to rule this world and fulfill his promises to Israel as a nation. But in Christ, there's, there's no difference. And ultimately, the kingdoms will come together in eternity future. And so, and we'll all be in our place at that point based on our inheritance. So what is unique is not salvation, it's your inheritance in every dispensation, by the way. So, um, and so I want to say this, though, before we conclude, because this is a practical application. Well, that's pretty practical, what I just said. But this is really the practical application. As we talk about this subject, to the Jew first and also the Greek, and we talk about what would, what would happen. Well, let me ask you that, this question. What would happen if you lived in the richest nation on the planet and you didn't take the gospel where it needs to go on time? 
Hmm? I thought someone said. Yes. God doesn't need our money to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. We're going to give account for our opportunities. Uh, and by the way, God doesn't need our money or our affluence. As a matter of fact, he can be counterproductive, so that's not what he needs. But I'm just saying, uh, just to kind of wrap this up, God uniquely placed Israel in a situation to accomplish his mission. And whether you know it or not, he's placed you in a, in a unique situation to accomplish his mission. Even if you're in a small church in a cow field, and and uh, you're like, okay, I'm telling you, we have opportunities that other people just don't have. And if you take advantage of this, the smallest opportunities, God will magnify it above what you could ask or think. And Israel, man, they dropped the ball on their opportunities, one after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. So seize the opportunities God gives you uh, because he wants to use you uh, to advance the cause. And he even used their disobedience. Okay, that's also part of this, to advance the cause. So if they didn't go, this is super practical, so hear me. So many years ago, let me just tell you about our testimony as a church. I have time. Many years ago, uh, when we were before, you know, uh, so this church started. Let me give us a history, a Gentile history timeline. So in the world of Gentile history, like you can all, everyone, every, today uh, we know. Like, there is a global agenda for every man on the planet. We can see how that lines up with end times prophecy. We get it. We feel it. We know it, right? COVID, like, highlighted that with the yellow lighter, highlighter. We get it. But the day that we started this church, and just before we started this church, we didn't, hadn't lived through that history yet. We didn't know all that. You know, we suspected all that, but we didn't really see how all that would kind of transpire yet. So we have these visions and dreams of how things might go. And coupled with that is this mission that the church has to carry. Like this church here was established, the, the team that we started with, I ask every one of them, do you believe this, if we plant a church in Harrisonville, it can reach the world in a very liberal way? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And to a man, everyone on the team said, yes, sir. I said, okay, then. If you believe that, we can. I'll come. If you don't believe that, I can't come. Because God has called me to be in a church, whether I'm in the church or I'm a pastor of the church, I have to be. I have to be in a church that is serious about the Great Commission and is willing to do everything in their power to reach people where they live, around where they live, and around the world, supernaturally, simultaneously. Uh, that's the only way to roll, biblically, Acts 1-8. And so everyone's like, yes. Okay, so when it comes to, to, to where we were in the world at that time, well, just before we started meeting in January 6th of 2002, in 2001, on September 11th, these towers fall, right? And then we go to get into this protracted war, right? And, and what's going on is very much like what would have happened maybe in the history that we're talking about is, is, is these Gentile powers were lined up, the times of the Gentiles. And God was using that in part as a response to Israel dropping the ball, Right? And, and so prophecy is being fulfilled. Things are being readjusted and how God's going to fulfill his prophecy through his people. Okay, so here's the thing. 
and I'm drawing a practical conclusion to this. So part of that is where we even are today. And we already know the Roman Empire, you know, how that's going to stretch out until the coming of Christ. And we understand all that now because we've got the revelation of it. But you don't always see it. So there's a time in our church where I'm literally saying this at Heartland. And David Pierce is an example. Or we're saying, if we don't go to the world, God will bring the world to us. And so don't get mad if, if you don't like your neighbor. You go reach him for Christ because that's why God's bringing them. If the church doesn't go around the world and do the gospel the way God's called us. And by the way, the, the United States isn't the center of the church. But I will tell you, as far as, as missions, what, what England and America, not just America, England and America, but what, what has happened with the English-speaking Bible in the last 300 years has been absolutely incredible with, with evangelism. I mean, it's, it's unique in, history, in world history. And, and so, and even today with technology, the whole world speaks English and wants to speak English. And you speak English and you're saved. Go, ye therefore. Get online. Tell people about Jesus. You can go anywhere in the world today through technology. You couldn't do that in 2006 as easy or 2002 as easy. You could, but not quite like today. I mean, we were really connected. And so, but you know what we didn't realize is like there's this Patriot Act, Right? And all of a sudden, our sovereignty was, as citizens in this nation, was taken away. So we lost a lot of freedom. And then, of course, COVID comes along, and we lost more freedom. And so slowly and slowly, our hands are getting tied. And who would have thought that this Internet thing that we had, this freedom to talk to everywhere and go anywhere, would suddenly start to be controlled and micromanaged by entities that we can't even see. So your message may or may not get where it needs to go. In the filter bubble. So you see, you see what I'm saying? There's opportunities. There's windows. And I'm just saying, guys, um, you, the commission is the commission. No matter what happens, you have to go. Go ye therefore. So God, what he did is he used their obedience to get the gospel where it needed to go. And he used their disobedience. I'm talking about Old Testament since to get the word where it needed to go, he'll, he'll use your obedience or your disobedience. So if he had to bring some persecution and made us flee around the world, he might do that to get you where you need to go with the message. To whom much is given, much is required. That's all I'm saying. And you may not realize how much you got until it's gone. So take heed to the, the, his, the lessons of history. Because it is important to take advantage of the opportunities. We're not under this anymore. Uh, it'll come back after the rapture. Right now, we're under grace. And we got the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to take it everywhere it needs to go on time. And it doesn't really matter what the United States does or doesn't do. Uh, what matters is that we do what we're supposed to do irregardless. Because we only got one mission. And we can work with whatever regime or whatever regime's in charge, we're going to run. We're going to run the mission irregardless until we literally can't, because that's the only mission that we got. That makes sense. But I would. Pro- I, I don't want to promise you anything. I'm just saying, um, it gets harder and harder and harder to do the mission. <clears throat> the more we squander opportunities. So let's seize the opportunities we got so God will give us more. Because if we're not faithful with least, he's not going to make you faithful with much. But he'll still use your disobedience to accomplish his will. And it won't get done the way you hoped it would. <laughs> so, But he'll still get it done. 
God still used Israel. He still used, he used their disobedience. If they wouldn't work with him obediently, he used their disobedience. But he still got it done. So, so the next time you don't, – don't get caught up in all this news narrative and all of this stuff. There's a reason. Rather, it doesn't matter if the cartels are getting rich and, they're, and, the, and the government people are bought off. None of that matters for us as a, as a church. This isn't our home. This isn't our kingdom. I'm not saying it doesn't matter as American. I'm more, I'm not saying more. I'm as American as any one of you, and I'm as patriotic as any one of you. So it sounds like I'm not, but I am. But when I, from the Word of God's perspective and from the Son of God's perspective, the most important priority is getting the message where it needs to go on time. And if, if, our, if our borders got turned into a, a big uh, a raceway of people coming, flooding from every nation to come and blow us up, you know what we should do? We should run right at them with the gospel because every one of those people need to be saved. And that's the only thing that's going to stop it is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're eternal. Uh, we're all eternal, whether you're saved or lost. But we're going to live eternally, and they're going to die eternally if they, unless they get the message. And it's like God to allow things like that to happen if people don't take seriously going to where they live. So you've got to get in the car, and you've got to get in the plane, and you've got to go. Uh, and you're in a church that will send you. So prepare yourself to go and take the good news where it needs to go while there's time. Okay, that's how I'm going to conclude that, uh, because you don't know what's going to happen next, and it doesn't matter what's going to happen next. What matters is that we do the right thing no matter what happens next. Some Jews received their Messiah. Some Jews went forward by faith. It didn't matter that their nation didn't go forward. They went forward, and God blessed it and propagated the church. And in eternity, they're going to have fruit that is amazing, right, because they did the right thing even when everybody else didn't. And by God's grace, I pray that we would do the same. Uh, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to come together.